Hey everybody, this is Will and Donna. Hi. Uh, this is episode three of Death Diner, and um, Donna just got here, and we're going to kind of touching on what we want to talk about today, and a lot of it has to do with uh, grief around the holidays, and um, we're going to share with you our experiences um, and kind of take you through some, some questions we have for each other and answer those uh, with our personal experiences and kind of shed some light on something that's not talked about too often. Um, so, Donna, I have a, a first question to you is um, for a person who's recently lost a loved one and are, is grieving, what are some, some common things they can experience uh, with their grief, especially around the holidays or their first holiday without their loved one? Well, many times there's a variety of, of emotions that can manifest or show up. Anything from I want to cancel the holidays, which is absolutely okay, to wanting to or feeling the obligation to continue with the holidays because of other loved ones, maybe kids in the house or uh, a spouse or a mom or a dad, someone that they feel like they need to continue the routine, even though they really don't want to. So some of the suggestions we often give is to limit yourself. Uh, for example, if you're feeling that maybe you can only attend one or two events this holiday season instead of the usual five or six or however many you have, to choose accordingly and not feel obligated to go to any of those. Because I think that sometimes that we feel like, oh, if we got invited, I really should go even though I don't feel like it. If the, if the person is truly your friend, they'll understand and, and um be okay with you not coming or showing up and leaving early. Mm -hmm. um, many times we have a hard time at the first holiday because uh, maybe there's a tradition that we've always done that isn't going to happen this time. I was recently reading up on, on something similar to this and they were talking about traditions expiring and maybe it's just something that isn't fitting for this year. doesn't mean it won't next year, but maybe it needs to take a break and come back with a new, a new concept the following year. But just to give yourself that opportunity to grieve and be kind to yourself in that is what I would recommend. Wow. Wow. I've never, I never heard that, that take. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, well, the story, the story that I used as an example is, I don't know if anyone, you've heard that story about when the, um, when the newly married couple is making their first meatloaf and the wife takes the meatloaf and she cuts off both ends and sticks it in the pan. And there's like inches on either side. And the husband's like, well, what happened? I, I want the rest of the meatloaf. And she goes, well, that's how my grandmother always did it. So finally he goes, well, why did she do that? Well, I don't know. So she calls her mom and she goes, that's because her pan was too small. She'd have to cut off sections to fit in the pan. <laughs> and so, oh, okay. So in other words, sometimes we have to modify that tradition, even though it's how we grew up. So we remember it mm -hmm. and it needs to change now. And that's appropriate. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And, and accepting that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, have you, in terms of setting a limit, I, I guess a follow-up question would mm -hmm. be, I guess it all depends on timing, Yeah. but would it be beneficial? Would, would you advise to to set that limit before the holiday party, I would, if I goes. can, that's I would. I, yeah, yeah, that's what I figured. If, depending on when the death was, if it was, you know, earlier than November or so, then yes, sometimes it happens in the midst of the holiday season. And then you're like, but I've already accepted 
seven invitations and now my loved one died yesterday. Yeah. It's okay to go back and tell some of those people, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be up for it. I know I said yes, but now this has happened. Uh, or yes, I thought I was doing better than I am because we have flare ups. Mm -hmm. Um, and we think we're doing better than we are. So we accept them. And then we realize in the midst of it, I'm overwhelmed or I don't feel like being married today. Yeah. And, um, to give myself the out at that point. So if you can limit it, as soon as you have an idea, that's better for your own self care. Yeah. And be, and be honest with yourself about it and, and stick yeah. to your instinct. Yeah. And, and, and act swiftly and accordingly. Absolutely. Follow your gut. Yeah. Follow your gut. You know that I have a feeling that if let's say it was your friend who was in that situation and you were throwing the party, I have a feeling if that friend came to you, you might say, you know what? It's okay. Yeah. Um, so think about that. Your friend might have the same response. Um, as you move into a new year, mm -hmm. there can be a lot of expectation mm -hmm. and with the burden of grief mm -hmm. upon you, what are some tips that you would give people going into a new year with, with grief? The new year is difficult for a lot of families because it's oftentimes a time where families set new intentions for the new year and they're realizing they can't do that or they will, but it'll look differently and they don't want the new year to happen because the old year is they're still holding on to some of those memories. So they're really having a hard time reaching into the new year. Um, and that can be a difficult time for families. And if you're able to, again, limit your expectations of yourself moving into the new year, if you think about the winter season in nature, that's the quiet time, you know, those parts of our country and our world that have the four seasons where it's snowy and cold and the leaves have fallen and things, you know, animals are hibernating. That's nature's way of saying it's okay to slow down. It's okay to, to take time for yourself. Um, and for us, we sometimes forget that and that's our busy time. Mm -hmm. So if we can give ourselves that opportunity to slow down into the new year and really take some time to think about what I want for the next year, because it's a new experience. You know, oftentimes there's a saying, you know, it's a new year, a new me, but I'm not liking the new me because I wanted the old me, meaning yeah. the relationship that isn't there anymore. So give yourself that opportunity to really rest and move into that beginnings of the new year quietly. Yeah. And, and I think to, um, the, the goal setting part of a new year is difficult and, and ties into like keeping that old year within mm -hmm. you because the stuff that you set out to do in the new year might've been contingent on the presence of, mm -hmm. of, of that other person. And that's a constant reminder. It is. And sometimes the number one goal is to get out of bed because yeah. I don't want to get out of bed and I don't want to keep moving and have simple goals for yourself leading into the healing process. For, for, I'm glad you mentioned getting out of bed. Mm -hmm. Can you touch on what you would say to someone who's really having trouble moving, moving themselves physically every day? I would ask them, what do they think their sense or purpose is in the world right now? What, what, why am I here? Because sometimes we wonder why we're here. Why wasn't it me instead of the other person, depending on the situation? Um, so I would ask them to start thinking about what would get me out of bed. Is it a pet? Is it to make sure that my plants are watered? 
Um, is it that I need to get to work to pay my bills, even though if we're in that really deep place, that's not on our mind, but to really think about really what's my purpose now. And that's hard to do in the early stages of grief. As you start the healing journey, more of those conversations come about and more um, opportunities to start figuring that out, but really look at what your sense and purpose is and how can you help somebody else maybe. No matter how small. No matter how small. Wow. If you think about it, a stranger smiling on you to you on the street might perk you up, and that's a simple free gesture. Yeah. But if you were able to do that just for one person, how would that maybe help their day while it's helping you at the same time? Yeah. So um, for, for those who are taking care of a loved one, um, and doing that through the holidays, um, what would you tell a caregiver as, as they move through maybe their first holiday season taking mm-hmm. care of a terminally ill mm-hmm. parent or um, maybe a parent with Alzheimer's mm-hmm. or sometimes some sort of dementia? Yeah. How would, you, how would you attack that scenario? I would first acknowledge the fact they're caregiving. Um, and that that takes an emotional toll in and of itself because we're starting to anticipate this might be the last holiday with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be the, or the last one that they'll remember because they might be in the early stages of a dementia or a Parkinson's or, or something like that. So this might not be their last one, but it might be their last one that they remember and to, um, Try and take it slow and just enjoy the moment, almost like a mindfulness activity to be present in the moment and enjoy what little gems that you might see or little nuggets of joy in in your loved one. At the same time, remember to take care of you because while you have this added responsibility of caregiving, there's also a part of you that might be feeling a disconnect because you're trying to be positive for this other person. And at the same time, you're struggling because you're looking at the future and you're not liking what it's going to look like. And that can be really hard. Um, Many times I've heard it explained from caregivers that taking care of a loved one with some form of dementia, it's like taking care of a small, small child, but I can't look forward to the future because at least with a small child, they grow and they get bigger and they start aware. All of that. And in this case, they're regressing. And at one time, they may not remember who I am. Do you find that caregivers dealing with dementia are psychologically or emotionally in maybe the hardest position? Absolutely. They're grieving. And there's something called, I think I've talked about it before, but there's something called anticipatory grief, where we're starting to anticipate life without our loved one. And we're also anticipating life changing and not being the way it's always been. So it's easy to get burnout or compassion fatigue is another word for burnout. So it's important to take care of yourself during this time, whether it's getting um, someone to watch your loved one while you take a, a 20 minute nap here and there, or go for a walk or be around other people who aren't sick to remember that there's other people in the world who aren't ill. Yeah. Cause it's very easy to have your whole world engulfed in caregiving and think that everybody is walking this journey. Um, and it gives you a breather. It lets you reconnect back into society too. Wow. Do you, do you find that with, with some of your patients' families and caregivers? Yeah, yeah they, it, it's hard. Uh, they're drained. They're exhausted. 
you know, they're like, just give me five minutes of a breathing room and I can go back in there for, for two days. I just need a little bit of time to, to disconnect and reconnect with who I am. And that can be overwhelming and it can be feelings of guilt. Yeah. You know, I I should want to be there all the time, but there's a part of me that needs that break. Yeah. Do you, do you think that, um, some of those caregivers, I guess in your experience, how many of them don't have the help? Or do you think a lot, a lot, um, what contributes to that? I don't want to see my friend this way. I want to remember them the way they were when we worked together. So they don't come around. Um, I think you've got a good handle on it. So I'm going to, you'll be okay. And, and the other person leaves, um, I live out of state. So how about if I just send some money or send some groceries through the online, um, instead of maybe calling or checking in or planning some visits. Uh, and I think a lot of it is either not wanting to accept what's happening or they're avoiding it because they don't want to deal with the emotional experiences of watching somebody that you love decline, Mm -hmm. um, before your eyes slowly or fast, depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of it is, uh, I don't want to remember them this way. So they don't go, I don't want this to be my memory of them. That's really telling about humans who aren't sick Mm -hmm. and who don't care for the ill or deal with death. Our society doesn't teach it, doesn't talk about it. We've, 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 we've talked about that. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's interesting that the the deficiencies in caregiving mm-hmm. aspects and, and other topics that we've talked about kind of are, are rooted in in that. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's always a lack of knowledge or lack. You want to avoid this confrontation, yes. this emotional confrontation. And, yeah, and um, while I can understand that, it's it's the creator of a lot of the yeah. problems we talk about. And there's other ways that the newly bereaved can cope at this time too. And they're realizing that there's some feelings they're having is sometimes it's volunteering. Just get out of your story to uh, maybe volunteer if you can handle pet shelters um, and go pet the cats for an afternoon or go play with the dogs, play ball with them. It gets you out of, what you're feeling into paying attention to helping someone else. I wouldn't suggest going to, you know, an adult day program and volunteering if your loved one died of Alzheimer's or dementia, because it might trigger too many emotions, but go down to your library and see if you can, you know, volunteer to read to the kids or do something that would fill you up, fill your tanks again. Um, It gets us out of our story and it kind of gets us reengaged in the world and realizing we still make a difference because many times as caregivers, when our loved ones have died, part of the grieving process is we're grieving that role of the caregiver. I don't have to get up at 2 a.m. to make sure mom didn't fall out of bed. Yeah. I didn't have to get up at 6 a.m. for medication. What's my role now? And by volunteering and giving back, it can you know write out a bunch of holiday cards and drop them off at a senior center for a resident who doesn't have family so they can open a card just as happy holidays. Um, so they get some mail at the holidays, yeah. you know, there's a variety of ways go sing Christmas carols or holiday carols. And there's different ways to give back that can get you out of how you're feeling and reconnect. Um, for caregivers that can be hard. Yeah. Um, even if your loved one is still alive, like we were talking about, 
having someone sit with them while you go and do that can kind of fill your tanks a little bit. Um, and there are agencies and programs out there that sometimes can provide volunteers on a short-term basis um, oh. and those kinds of things. It sounds like th that the, your, your delivery of self-care is kind of transitioning back into society mm -hmm. in terms of in engaging with the population mm -hmm. in positive ways. In positive ways, yes. Uplifting positive ways that mean something to you. Yeah. I know I can't volunteer at an animal shelter because I'll leave there wanting to take them all home. <laughs> but I can dogs and cats. Dogs and cats, rabbits. You're a cat. You're, a cat, you're uh, everything. I, everything. They, there's something about pets that I connect <laughs> with. Really? Absolutely. And uh but I could go to a library and read to kids. I would love to do that. Yeah, that sounds fun. Um, I love books. I love everything about a library. I love working with children or um, go volunteer to, uh, at a nature park, picking up trash or beach cleanups. There's a variety of ways that you go. To, I know the aquarium sometimes needs volunteers. So there's ways to connect with something that means something to you. And I think that's important, but yeah, but it's, it's also good to know your limits. Like I said, yeah. I couldn't do animals because I'd want to take them all home, yeah. which would defeat the purpose of me going. Yeah. But, but it just finding the part of yourself that's willing to, to get out there yep. and find something that aligns, yep. that motivates you to get out there, mm -hmm. pick it yep. and, and try the and do it. Feed Go to a soup kitchen. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a variety, there's a lot of options for volunteering and we don't often think of that. That's why I brought it up tonight because yeah. most of us don't think to get out there and volunteer because we're in our own overwhelm. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes we just don't want the holidays to happen, you know, so it's painful going out into the you know, to the malls and seeing, you know, families together and part of your family has died. It can be hard going through and seeing and hearing the music when it's a, a reminder of, I don't have what this is turning on the Hallmark channel mm -hmm. and watching, you know, the Hallmark Christmas specials can be hard because I don't have that right now and I want it, yeah. you know, so there's all those different ways that we can get triggered at this holiday season. And at the same time, a lot of that stuff also teaches us hope so that we keep the hope alive yeah. and call a friend, call someone you trust, yeah. go to your faith community. There's a variety of people that you can reach out to, especially at this time of year. Yeah. And, and I think saying that's really valuable mm -hmm. because when you're maybe in a bad place, mm -hmm. you assume other people's disposition and you project it on them and maybe, prevent you from reaching out. Yeah. So it's always good to acknowledge that people want to hear from you. Yes. People want to hear from each other. Friends want to talk to friends. They want to help and they not, do. not be afraid yeah. to, to not, don't get swallowed up in your own hole. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Dig, dig, dig yourself out and, and know that there's going to be people around you to rally around you. Absolutely. You know, and, and the caregiver role can be the one where I was always the one taking care of someone. Now someone's going to take care of me. I'm uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's something that takes some getting used to sometimes. And how do you, how do you get used to that? How do you fall into that when you're, when you're so used to being the reliable person uh -huh. to being the vulnerable? Oh, yeah. Person? Now you're the vulnerable person. 
when you, you weren't before. That's process. And that's when I ask you not to do it alone. Reach out to someone you trust that you can be vulnerable with, even if it's just one trusted friend or your dog or whatever, whoever it is that can give you the unconditional love. Now, your dog can't talk back to you, but it, dogs are always happy to see us. No matter how long we've been gone, we forgot to feed them. They're still wagging their tail and they're ready to eat and they're happy to see you. And um, they can give us that unconditional love. But I would also suggest talking to a human, someone that you trust. Um, and there's a lot of online options now. People can talk online on message boards and things like that um, at all hours of the night. So there's that option now, too, which yep. is fairly, fairly new mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. There's also if you don't have any friends that you feel you can reach out to, there's also apps as well to talk to therapists yep. like Headspace. Yep. Um, uh, so. There, there are those avenues as well that may be unconventional, but it may work for you. Absolutely. And I think we've talked about it before, but I don't think I can say it enough is grow your support system. Yeah. Reach out for a therapist, someone that you can talk to, whether it's through an app or picking up the phone or making an appointment or calling your doctor. Um, reach out if you have a faith community, even if that faith community is the beach. Yeah. Go and, and find that way to get the extra support because you can't have too much support. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's okay to ask for it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's okay. It's good to ask for it. It's good to ask for it. Sometimes your friends might be hesitant to ask you. They're wondering, but they're hesitant to ask you. So it's okay to say, "Hey, you know, this isn't a good day for me." Yeah. Um, and sometimes you'll you know you'll have friends that will remember you know Tuesday nights at five thirty are really tough for you know specific reasons so they might call you at five thirty on Tuesday and you're like oh wow thanks or you might be te- find yourself texting a friend and realize it's five thirty on Tuesday and you're oh that's right I needed that support so there's different things that can happen and and those realizations come up and sometimes those are the triggers that um, can send us into that spiral downward. Do you think it's important for people um, experiencing either in grief or even caregiver fatigue mm-hmm. to, to, I guess, look, what are some signs of, let's start with caregiver fatigue, okay. that, that a person can, if they are self-aware, can observe of themselves, acknowledge, and know they need to take care of it or know that it's a need? Mood swings. They're getting... You find themselves getting irritable and they don't understand why. Um, Tired with, I got eight hours of sleep. Why am I exhausted? Um, Not wanting to eat. uh, Not hungry. um, Isolating. Not, you know, realizing they're not accepting friends' invitations for coffee or to talk or um, to participate in some event that they usually look forward to. They're starting to isolate. um, Not caring. Yeah. Um, being kind of numb. Yeah, apathetic. Apathetic. Um, glass half empty, negative. Mm-hmm. In their thinking, in their words, words their yeah, behaviors. Yeah. Their, their speak, their their word choices. It's mm-hmm. instead of saying if there's two ways of saying something, a positive and a negative mm-hmm. way. The, the negative. The way negative is, way will come up. You know, yeah. And on a more frequent basis than maybe usual, because most people have you know three or four positive and a negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're starting to go the other way and it's three or four negative and maybe a half a positive, 
there's a pattern forming yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there's negative coping, like moving to alcohol or food and not the healthy kind of food or drugs. Mm-hmm. And those could be legal or illegal drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, we start, you know, using sleep aids to get us to sleep over the counter, um, different things that we're starting to rely on to keep us going. You know, I need the caffeine to keep me going. Then I need the sleep aids to help me sleep. And this is not my normal behavior. I'm not functioning as well as I used to. But one of the big ones is the mood swings. It's like, I just, I'm cranky. I'm irritable. Uh, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's the beginnings of some, some, Compassion fatigue or burnout. I think you, you, I, you and I see that on a daily basis. Oh yeah, and, and it's it's very apparent when when it's happening, um, and or excuses. Yep, making excuses for something. Oh, I forgot. That's the difficulty concentrating. You know that can also be an issue. Um, oh, I forgot that, or maybe they did remember, but they don't want to tell you that, so they say they forgot. That happens. Oh, I forgot my appointment was at five o'clock. I'm sorry. And you're calling at five ten. going, where are you? And they just didn't want to deal with whatever the issue was. Wow. They just postpone it. They postpone it. Yeah. Wow. That, we, we actually have that too. Families will set appointments for arrangements and then delay for one day, mm-hmm. delay for two days. Um, and I understand it. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's, they, in their position, I might even do the same thing. Yeah. You know? Sure. Um, but they, they think, they think we don't know what they're doing, mm-hmm. but you know, we, we see families we, in their position we, every day. Yeah. We, so, we yeah. see, we see the signs and the symptoms of it yeah. and that can be hard. Definitely. Um, especially when someone might have, you know, in our society, we we're prideful in, the aspect that we teach self-reliance mm-hmm. and as we have struggles, we can't always be self-reliant. We have to start leaning on people. Um, I always use the example of, you know, if something happens to my plumbing, I need to call a plumber cause I don't know how to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if my lights go out, I have no clue. I got to call an electrician. So I'm really interdependent. I can't fix all those things myself. So what makes me think that when I'm feeling this sad or discombobulated or I don't even understand what I can't put words to it, why can't I reach out for help? What mm-hmm. What's the difference between that and needing a plumber or an electrician or a chef to teach me how to make this dessert that I think is really cool, um, but I have no clue and reaching, those are all okay, but how come it's not, or if I break my leg, they don't expect me to set it myself and figure out how to put on a cast but how come there we don't teach that it's okay to reach out for help if it's something else? I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm trying to put my finger on why people do that. Like why people hold themselves, themselves up when they need the most help. And do you, do you have a, do you have thoughts on that is why people do that? Yeah. I think a lot of it is the, stigma mm-hmm. of not realizing that it's okay to ask for help because I don't want to look down upon. I don't want other people to think poorly of me. 
Uh, I want to keep my I'm ego unstable. or I'm, I'm unstable. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is ego driven. You know, I want to look like I've got it all together, even if I don't. Because yeah. um, most of us can keep it together for 30 minutes, you know, while we have this meeting, even if we're not together. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's really doing ourselves a disservice. And it's kind of cheating our friends and family out of an opportunity to help us when they want to. If you put yourself in the other person's position, would you want to be able to be a support to that person if they were going through it? Probably oh, would. Definitely. You know, I had someone once share with me, you can't have a caregiver without a care receiver and you can't have a care receiver without a caregiver. We need each other. And if I'm struggling and I don't reach out for help, I'm, I'm not only hurting myself, but I'm kind of chipping them on an opportunity to give. Mm -hmm. And... And, and those, those moments are moments of fulfillment. Yeah. And you, you're missing. You're missing it. You're missing it. You're missing it. Missing yeah. it. Um, it's like the, the jigsaw puzzle. You, all those little pieces fit together and just one is missing. That whole picture is missing, is missing a piece. Same with caregiving and care receiving with burnout, especially at the holidays. Give someone an opportunity to give back mm -hmm. just like you have. And and to be okay with it. I think it's giving ourselves the permission to be okay with it. Yeah. Um, and that's the key piece. If we can give ourselves permission, I think we can have a different experience. Or we might think, oh, if they hear me cry one more time, they're not going to want to be my friend. And they probably aren't a good friend anyway. Yeah. If you think about it. No, most definitely. Um, and that's really hard for people. The, the, the understanding of I need to be myself and the people around me will... The people who rally around mm -hmm. me may be few, but those are the quality people. Those are my quality people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and you, I mean, you learn this as you grow. Yeah. Um, that when you're in in deep in whatever, yeah. in whatever it is, mm -hmm. there's going to be very, there's going to be a small circle. Yes. Generally, mm -hmm. that that really takes the time mm -hmm. to to play in yeah. that mud with you absolutely and help you out of it absolutely i can remember when my grandmother died a year and a half ago i had some key people reach out to me who i didn't expect to to make sure i was doing okay and i was and i was grateful for that they're like well you're a grief counselor so you probably got this figured out i'm like no this is personal yeah i you know i can have caregiver burnout too because i do this every day and i'm also walking it personally so a couple people, you know, probably were thinking, oh, I, I'm overstepping. And I'm like, no, this was wanted and welcomed. I didn't know how to ask for help, too. Yeah. On some, and sometimes it was grateful. Oh, can I, can we just go for coffee? Sure. And then I realized when we get there, they wanted to check on me. Mm -hmm. But they didn't say, let's have coffee to check on you. They just, let's meet for coffee. And I thought that was really helpful because mm -hmm. I didn't go in with an expectation of having to talk about how I was feeling just to get to see my friend. Yeah. Um, and they, they set up the, the caregiver care receiver. Uh -huh. They yeah. set it up beautifully. Mm -hmm. Um, kudos to them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, good job. You know, yeah. after once I was through the initial forms of grieving, cause I'm like, wow, um, that was, that was nice way of, of doing that. And, um, and I'm sure we've all have a lot of examples of that. Someone dropping by, you know what? I made too much food tonight. Can I drop some of this off? Cause my family can't eat it all. In reality, they made a double duck batch on purpose, mm -hmm. but we find ways um, to do that. And I think those are the gifts of the, the, that small group of people that are there for you. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a supervisor that gave me my space and checked in on me privately to see if I was okay. And I, I, I really, that meant a lot 
because I wasn't out in front of everyone with all my stuff out there, but they were checking on me behind the scenes. And I knew that if I was really struggling, I could go to that person and, and talk to them privately and get the support I needed. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the other key pieces, you know, not the, um, the over in your face. Sometimes it's subtle and that's important too. Yeah. And that, that makes the experience more natural. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't, at that time you want a natural experience. Yes. You want, cause you want your friends. You don't want necessarily a clinical experience. Exactly. You, know, you want mm-hmm. just someone who's going to relate to you, you know, and familiar with and mm-hmm. get, gets you out of yourself yeah. and, and, and brings it, it out of you. And it normalizes it to use a clinical term. It mm-hmm. makes it, makes you realize that it's okay to feel this way. It's okay that I feel grumpy right now. And I have a choice how I handle this grumpiness. Once I realize I'm grumpy again, back to the self-awareness, yeah. I'm grumpy. How am I going to handle that? And that comes back to, again, having your circle, growing your circle if need be, and reaching out for that support. Um, Because I can't tell you how many times I followed up with somebody who's grieving. And what I heard was the funeral director was amazing. They said what I needed to hear. They gave me the space to cry. They didn't make me push through all my arrangements right away. They gave me the time to let me feel what I was feeling and really make the decisions that I needed to make for me. I'm like, wow, that's like what I would want to hear. Yes. And uh, I've heard that time and time again. And I'm like, thank you. You know, and they're like, you know, it's what I needed. So even the help can come from areas you don't expect. Yeah. And even sometimes you welcome that help the most. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. people, I, I um, in my, in my arrangements um, with families, I feel that that person may have a persona 364 and three quarter days Mm -hmm. out of the year. But in that arrangement meeting, it's maybe an hour Mm -hmm. with me. Mm -hmm. I, all of the BS persona is stripped away and I'm actually lucky enough to see who that person really is. Yep. And people who see them every day or every Mm -hmm. week may never meet that person, Mm -hmm. but I get to spend, you did. I get to spend that time with them. Mm -hmm. And I realized that was a realization I had two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a clinical psychologist philosopher and he came, basically came out with a self-help book essentially. Mm -hmm. And he has found that people are coming up to him in the street and they like say hello, very Mm -hmm. nice, very cordial, very respectful. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go into a 30 second to a minute story about where they were in their life and how bad it was and what they were doing. Then meeting him and his words in his book and then the plan they made after it and what they did after it. And he is is overwhelmed every time it happens because all the stuff that is that person yeah. is at their core is what they're giving him. Exactly. And I related to that message wholeheartedly based on what I do. And mm-hmm. I think you would do the same. Absolutely. And it's so sincere that you can 
for, for me is that like for me hearing it, I'm the type of person that when I hear that, mm -hmm. like I'm, I just give. Yes. And I, that was telling about how relatable it was to me, for yeah. me. Mm -hmm. It was, it was unbelievable. And it was, it filled my tank having that, having that realization Yeah. Um, about my purpose. Exactly. And, and the world that I operate in. Mm -hmm. um, it validated who you are and the goals and the missions and the sense of meaning you have in your world mm -hmm. by being there to be with that person. And sometimes I think there's relief in those people going, oh, I can let it all go and just be me for this time. Mm -hmm. However long I'm meeting with, you know, to make these arrangements, I can just be me. And mm -hmm. there's a sense of relief in that. Yeah. Because uh, the rest of the world, we don't often get that opportunity depending on what else is going on in our world. And that's the, that's the hard part is learning. And that's also, again, part of the whole holiday grief is how am I going to do this? How am I going to do holidays again? I don't want to. And now they're going to look different. Yeah. And figuring all that out is a process. You might not figure it out for four or five holidays. Mm -hmm. uh, some people go away, but maybe they always did a holiday at home and their loved one isn't here. So they go somewhere, yeah. you know, I, I just experienced that mm -hmm. their a spouse recently, a recent widower mm -hmm. is going home to Michigan. Mm -hmm the holidays because you don't want to be in LA. Yeah. I had, um, my brother's family had a loss and they, it was Thanksgiving and they didn't stay home. They went somewhere and rented a cabin and did something there. And that was their way of, of changing their holiday for that year. And they still make great memories mm -hmm. and they acknowledged it was different. And it can, that, that, I think that change of scenery changes the expectations. Exactly. Reestablishes them. Um, it makes changes traditions yep. and you're not, you don't have the ex expectation of tradition because you're not at that table. Right. You're at a different table in a different, in a place, different place, a different home, different smells, um, different yeah. looks, different tastes, you know, and that can really help recharge. Mm -hmm. If everything's new and different, mm -hmm. nothing needs to be what it was. Exactly. Or it's not as obvious something is missing. Mm -hmm. I don't mean the person. I mean, let's say the person always did one ritual. Mm -hmm. Made the eggnog. Made the eggnog yeah. or yeah. cut the, the the turkey. And now you're in a different place. So, yeah, it's, it's okay to have somebody else doing it because we're in a different place. Right. Mm -hmm. We're still acknowledging that person isn't with us, but it may be a little bit easier to cope with. Yeah. Palatable. Palatable. That's the word. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of options. There's a lot of different things we can do at the holidays and above all, name it. Whatever you're feeling, give it a name because the things we don't give a name get a life of their own. If you think about it in your head. That was amazing, Donna. <laughs> you know, I've never heard that. Give it a name because if you don't, it gets a life of its own. It's kind of like when I avoid something, and it gets so big, but if I were to actually take a look at it, I can realize this is manageable and I, I can cope with it. And that can be affirming and it can be validating and it can be relieving. Wow. You know, even if you think of other goals in your life and break it down into chunks mm -hmm. of how I can address this. Okay, this year I'm not going to do this or I'm going to do this instead and move it forward. But pay, give it some attention. Yeah. Give it some attention. Um, I was going to say something else and I forgot what it was. Um, but it's that opportunity to 
um, again, do it differently. Yeah. No, it's not better or worse, right or wrong. It's different. Mm-hmm. So kind of the last question that we had talked about um, was us, as, we as professionals, mm-hmm. um, what are some things that you practice or would recommend practicing in terms of self-care as, as we kind of go into a busy season, go into our busy season. Uh, I try to schedule more downtime in my calendar. Um, and that downtime might be time for me to sit and watch TV, something I don't normally do or do. I like adult coloring books. So I'll color some of those. They've got really great ones like the Dollar Tree in different places um, that are like mandalas or just adult coloring books and or doodling. Um, I like to listen to music, so I might play that more in the car than just have my quiet time or make more phone calls. Um, and then I try to be honest with myself. If I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'll often call a friend. Um, and because I'm also a chaplain, I tend to turn to my spiritual practices. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I'll have a friend who will ask me, okay, did you journal? No, I didn't. Well, maybe you should try that. And I'll go and do that. And I'll feel myself not, you know, having some self-care time. Um, and it doesn't have to be for long periods of time. A five minute time out might recharge my, my batteries. Cause sometimes you're like, oh, I don't have an hour or two hours. And I'm like, well, I mean, there's a Buddhist saying that if you know, you're, you're busy, you meditate for an hour before you start your day. If you're really busy, meditate for two. And it's an opportunity to really get yourself centered to face whatever you have for the day. Valid. <laughs> it's very valid. Yeah. It is. Wow. Hey, that's a, it's like a very, it's a vector analysis. Yeah. So you make small changes mm-hmm. early yeah. to, to have big changes and good different mm-hmm. results in yeah. the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, my, my goals through the holiday is always to um, be present um, be in the moment. Mm-hmm. Don't, I, pra- I pra- practice mindfulness mm-hmm. in, in being, um, aware of what I have to do that hour, that day, that week. And in that order mm-hmm. to keep myself on task and productive, mm-hmm. um, scheduling downtime, and family time is big, especially mm-hmm. during the holidays. Yeah. Um, I, I always cook. So this holiday I'm trying something different and I'm learning how to bake chocolate chip cookies. How fun. So baking has been a huge deficiency in my kitchen game. So I'm trying to fill that gap and learn how to bake really awesome chocolate chip cookies. Um, so that's a big goal for me and I'm doing that with a coworker. So I'm excited for that. Um, going to, I like shows, especially mm-hmm. comedy. So I'll go, I'm checking out a comedy show this month, um, right after yeah. Christmas and before new year to kind of split it up and to do something to get myself out there and engage. Yeah. And I love to laugh. I love to be in a room where everyone's laughing. Mm-hmm. So that, um, and I find that all of these things for me are ways to stay in the present moment. Yeah appreciate the present moment which leads to ultimate gratitude for the present moment and allows me to keep myself centered yeah and we actually had 
a holiday party, and I think a lot of places do, mm-hmm. especially in our industry. Yeah. If you don't have a holiday party and you work in the death care or yeah. end of life care industries, you really should because ours was a testament to appreciation. We just spent the entire time eating and having a grand old time saying everything that we loved about each other I love that. throughout the whole year and even things outside of work that we appreciated about each other Um, and even stuff in the office not related to work that we appreciated about each other like someone always having aspirin or floss Um, yep you know those those things go unnoticed and and underappreciated throughout the Uh year and and this was our time to kind of say hey thanks for having those protein bars Mm -hmm. thanks for always being willing to do x y and z yeah and that was it was it was an exercise in saying oh you know what i I don't know. Everybody noticed. We're like, I'm, thank you. You know, it was yeah. not a lot. Um, and words of appreciation go far. Oh yeah. We don't always have to feel like, oh, I've got to give someone this dollar amount of gift. A simple word of appreciation says a lot. Come and on. It, and it, you know, it's free. It's, yeah, it's free. It's human. That's it's what human. makes it so valuable. And absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And to say thank you is gift is a gift. Mm. Um, it's powerful. We, I felt that was so beneficial to our team. And I think any, everyone would mm-hmm. benefit from it. You Absolutely. Know, just because everyone came in the, the, the next day, just totally full of energy and ready to, ready to help families. And, and had we, everyone had that vision in mind and looked to their left and right and felt the team yeah. with it, within them and that they were part of it. And that's, that's what you want. You know, that's exactly what we want. Remind yourself that you're part of that engine that you're driving through the, the busy season for mm-hmm. us. And you need that engine to be warm and hot and moving forward. Absolutely. It's important because that's, you know, when we start getting tired and feeling we really aren't making a difference or what does it matter? It shows. The other thing I wanted to share with self care is if you don't do it, your body will let you know. I got really sick earlier this week and I actually ended up missing work, which is a rare thing for me. But my body was like, you haven't taken care of me and now I'm sick. So it, your body will tell you, you know, and you don't want that, no. especially at this time of year because you miss out on things, you mm-hmm. know. And I'm like, okay, so I was tired and I slept and I didn't feel good. I lived on ginger ale for 24 hours. And I thought, you know what, this, so take care of yourself before you get to that point. Yeah. Because your body will say, I've had enough. And now you need to rest. And a little goes a long way. Yeah. A little goes a long yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Take take your 10 minutes. Take your five minutes. Exactly. It doesn't Just, have to be a big, long chunk, but take the time. Um, because, you again, your body will tell you, hey, knock it off. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't help you or your families or your family. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 